Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or go to the story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking the giving link located in the description below this video at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's service. All right, so uh, our co-pastor, Pastor Tim, led the church, has led the church in some Bible teaching on spiritual warfare. And this particular series, we ended today, called Slain Dragons, has to do with understanding that you and I have an enemy. And he's vicious. He doesn't play fair. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. If he could take your soul to hell, he, he would. If you're saved, he can't. But everything else in your life, he wants, it, he wants it messed up. Jesus tells us that he has a plan, he has a strategy, he has weapons, devices is what the word is in the Bible, and we are told not to be ignorant of what those devices or those weapons of warfare are, that he's going to come against your kids, your teenagers, your marriage, your life, your finances, your family. And then he tells us what to do about it. Well, the last four weeks, Pastor Tim came up, two great messages on the weapons the enemy uses against us, what to do about it. Then Pastor Will came up and brought a tremendous message. And then last week, Pastor J.L. came up here and uh, brought one that was just, just tremendous. Now, mine's not that dynamic because it's not really an out there, in-your-face kind of weapon. This weapon is a little more subtle. But don't let that fool you, because it's probably among the most dangerous weapons the enemies will use against you. And in 46, 47 years of full-time ministry now, I have seen more families, hundreds upon hundreds, of individuals that I love and care for than we know, that have been taken out by this one weapon of warfare. Man, we're going to get into it, but let me pray. Father... We love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, spirit, and strength. And today, Father, as I break open your word, I just want to ask you to please forgive me of my sins. Forgive me where I failed you. I, I want to be used as a mouthpiece for you. I, I need favor with both, well, all generations that are in this room, both genders. I pray that the older folks in here would hear me and you give me favor with them. I pray the younger ones in here kind of look at me like I'm a principal at a school somewhere that they would, they would just open up and listen to me, listen to the old guy, and they'd want to hear your word, and I, don't want to, I just don't want to mess that up. So, Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit now. Use me as only you can. And, Father, do something in this room today, something that is so badly needed, something that we desperately need to experience. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, when I was 12 years of age, my mom and dad moved me and two of my, bro my two brothers to... Uh, well, out of the most boring state in the country, the state of Indiana, 
two, as a boy that's 12 years of age, one of the most exciting cities and states in the nation, Orlando, Florida. And we moved there when Disney World was just opening. First year Disney opened, and our house was 45 minutes away from Disney World. We went quite often because the first year that Disney was open, they just gave away free park passes. You'd take a sack lunch with you and enjoy every ride you wanted to in the park, and that was a lot of fun. We also lived one hour and 15 minutes away from Daytona Beach. Now, my dad was a very strong swimmer. He thought his kids, everybody should know how to swim. Uh, at a young age, he put us in swim lessons when we were very, very young. And so when we go to Daytona Beach, we'd all have a blast. Well, when I was 14, one time we all went to the beach, and I asked my dad if I could run a surfboard. And he said, sure. He said, uh, just stay where I could see you, he said. Stay where I could see you. And so I paddled out about 50 yards offshore. And man, I was just loving it. I mean, we were going to a Christian school. We Disney World wasn't far away. And you know, as a teenage boy, 14, I'm on a surfboard in Daytona Beach. I mean, I didn't think things could get much better than that. And I was just enjoying myself, having a blast, until I look up and I realized my parents left me. No, they left me. I mean, their car was gone, the blankets were gone, the beach chairs were gone, the towels, the food, gone. And I thought, why would they do that? I mean, I could understand them leaving one of my siblings out in the ocean and taking off. But I was their favorite. I knew it. They knew it. And I thought, well, since I'm their favorite, it, it just doesn't make sense. Why? Why would they leave? And so I kind of trying to figure this thing out. I looked down the beach this way, and I looked down the beach this way. And sure enough, my parents had moved 150 yards down the beach. The weird thing about it is that everybody they parked by when they pulled in they all moved with them. It was the craziest thing. And then, of course, you know, it dawned on me. Yeah, they didn't move. I drifted. And I didn't even know I was drifting. It was subtle. You know, it's not, it's not hard to drift. Matter of fact, it's pretty easy. To drift, all you have to do is just stop paying attention for a minute or two. We see that in traffic, don't we? We drive down the road, and somebody's kind of moving out of their lane. They're not staying in their lane, a little bit more. And what do you think? Aha, they're not paying attention, not paying attention. Now, for those of you that are very astute in here right now, you know that our center cameraman has stopped paying attention, right? <laughs> he drifted. And because he stopped paying attention and drifted, now he's out of focus, right? He's out of focus. And now if the people in the back didn't kind of get his attention, he'd be all over the place, right? <laughs> Thank you. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. He's just helping me out. He's all right. Don't give him the stink eye. He's fine. <laughs> the truth is everybody in the room was affected just a minute ago because somebody else's attention was lost. Somebody else drifted. Maybe somebody you don't even know. And now things are out of focus, and it made things just a little bit comfortable in here for all of us. What if that would have been for the whole hour? What if that? You see, the truth is when somebody loses attention, doesn't pay attention, when somebody loses focus, if they're a pastor and they drift spiritually, what do you think happens to that church? If they're a parent and they drift spiritually, maybe a mom drifts when it comes to being a mom or being a wife. What if a husband stops being a leader in the family, stops praying with the family? What happens to the family? See, when somebody else drifts, we can end up paying for that as well. Well, God doesn't just tell us that it's possible for you and I as his children to drift. He says we're going to drift. 
He doesn't say, watch out that you don't. He's saying, when you do, there's some things you can do about it. But he first gives us a warning because he knows that every one of us in this room, every one of us in our journey walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to drift. And you know why? Because God even said there's pleasure in sin for a season. So even though you're born again, there's going to be times when your life's going to want to go back to some kind of sinful nature because your body's not saved, your mind's not saved right, your eyeballs aren't saved, all that kind of stuff. So the, and if you don't think, it's, sin can be fun. Now don't sit there and look at me. If you don't think sin can be fun, you're either lying or you're not doing it right. Well, God knows this. He knows you're going to drift, and this is what he says about it in Hebrews chapter 1. We must pay much closer attention than ever to the things that we have heard so that you, we do not in any way drift away from the truth. You can hear the truth. You can believe the truth. You can allow the truth of God to change your entire life, but you can still drift away from it. So if you're going to do this life, you're going to have to learn to deal with the drift that comes along with the Christian life. You would think in this life that you and I live that maybe we could take a sabbatical from time to time and maybe we're studying, we're going to church, going to classes, reading our Bible, praying every morning, having coffee with God, all that kind of stuff. And we think, well, maybe we ought to take like a two-month off or a three-month off or a four-month off. And it'd be all right because like in the end of that sabbatical, you know, with our Christian growth, stop going to church, stop worshiping, things like that, then we'll just start right back where we, where we left off. But that's not the way it is with Christian life. It's kind of like going up a down escalator. If you try to walk up a down escalator, if you ever stop or slow down or don't keep walking, you're going to end up right back down where you started. And that's the Christian life that you and I are living. There's, we're either growing in our relationship with God, we're either tucking in closer to Him, we're either having greater experiences with Him, or we're not, and things are getting worse. We don't drift into a better relationship. We drift apart when it comes to relationships. We don't drift on task. We drift off task. Drifting always takes us away. And God's trying to warn us from that. He even tells us in Colossians chapter 1 verse 23, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from you the assurance that you received when you heard about the good news. The good news that Jesus loves you, that he's died for you, that he has given you your best eternal life through him. There's only two eternal lives. It's either forever in hell. You're going to live forever somewhere, either forever in hell or forever in heaven. And he's given you your best eternal choice. That's heaven. The Bible says he's also given you your best life you could possibly live here. Well, 34 years ago, believe it or not, didn't know it was going to work out this way, but 34 years ago this week, my very young family came to Grand Junction to start Fellowship Church. I mean, we were young. Now, that's young looking up there. My sweet bride, 30 years old, I was 31, our kids were in elementary school, and uh, we came here and knew nobody. We didn't know a soul in Grand Junction. We didn't have any idea who anybody was. We had 19 people in the church. They became our family. Over the years of being here, Hannah's mom died, her dad died, my mom died, my dad died. Two of her siblings died, two of my siblings died. We were here with you. And many of you people over the years ministered to us as we went through different family losses and different things that we dealt with because we were here. We weren't back where uh, we came from. This was our mission field and then became our home. Weird thing about it was when I came here, um, I'd never experienced spiritual attack. At least, uh, we elementary stuff. But when we hit the ground here, the enemy hit my very young family. Now, 
the only thing I knew to do, because I've been teaching the Bible for 10 years then, I've been studying it since I was 17, I knew the book of Nehemiah, so I knew we had to stay on the wall. I knew we couldn't get distracted because of what people would say, couldn't chase down everything. I went to a minister alliance meeting one time, there was about 20 pastors in the room, none of them liked me but one, and they kind of were kind of rude to me, things like that. But, you know, I wasn't there to, you know, just befriend the pastors, and none of them, by the way, are even here in town anymore but one. But I, that's not what it's here for. I mean, it hurt my feelings, sure, and other things did too, but that would, I just knew that I needed to stay on the wall. That I needed to stay on task. I knew that I couldn't get sidetracked. And if I heard a pastor tell, say a long time ago, if the devil's going to make you a target, at least make it a moving one. So my wife stayed home, took care of the home front, and I went to work. Started inviting people to coffee at 5.30 in the morning, trying to sell them uh, what the vision of Fellowship Church was going to be. And uh, then I'd go with a couple to have breakfast with them. I'd buy somebody's lunch, just trying to sell people on the vision. And people started coming, guys. I mean, the music started being incredible. We started picking up people from the college to do the music and, and, uh, and, and hiring a few people here and there. And, and at first, I didn't have anybody to talk to. I had no staff. There was no salary. There was no promise of a paycheck. Ann and I came here out of our savings account. The first Sunday we were here, the offering was a total of $150. On my desk was an envelope of of a utility bill that was $950, and there was no money in the bank. The church was three and a half months behind on their mortgage and in foreclosure procedures. And God grew us and blessed us. Oh, God's favor was on us. Come on now. God's protection was on our family. You bet, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. But man, we started to grow and people started to get saved. Excite- we changed our name to Fellowship of Excitement, if you guys go back that far. Fellowship of Excitement. I remember seeing people in the mall going, Fellowship of Excitement, what's all the excitement about? I thought, man, you need to stay in the church where you're at. We're fine over where we're at. But man, people were excited and enthused. I mean, their lives were being changed. You could see things, their marriages coming back together. Teenagers getting off drugs, kind of pulling together in a youth group. It was a, an amazing time. Salvation and life change and all kinds of good, exciting things that were happening. And it was, it was wonderful and it was amazing. But no matter what we did over the last 34 years, people left. No matter what classes we offered, no matter what kind of connection opportunities we had, the friendships that we built, walking through cemeteries with folks, throwing our arms around them, crying with them in the cemetery, rejo- rejo- uh, rejoicing with them at, at weddings, all these kind of investments were made, and people left in this, and over 34 years, they left by the hundreds. And then I thought that if this was something that was just happening in a fellowship church, we'd hit our face before God, because this is his place. He's our CEO. He's our boss. He is not on our payroll. We're on his. And we'd apologize. We'd fix blame. We'd restructure everything. We'd restring it all and start over if that was the case. But that wasn't the case. Because this, watch this, people weren't just leaving church to go to another church. They weren't just leaving church because they moved to another city. People were leaving their faith. And over the last 34 years, thanks to Uh, Facebook and other platforms, we've watched the lives of those who've walked away from God starting with a subtle drift and they're one gigantic mess again. One gigantic mess. Oh, here's the thing. People over the years have come and gone and it seems like their life gets good. Oh, they're here. Finances are good. Everything's good. They're tithing. They're giving. They're serving. Oh, things are great. Then all of a sudden things are great. They take a sabbatical. They drift. It's kind of like bankruptcy, it starts subtly and then it 
goes, you know, quickly. And, 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 and these people, we've seen them come and go, and it's like, it's like we said, the greatest life you can possibly live, keep God's kingdom first. You keep his kingdom first, he's going to take care of all the other things, chase the other things, and you're going to miss out on all of it. Ladder on the wrong building. He also said that if you're fully committed to him, he will be strongly supported by him. Second Chronicles. So just stay fully committed to him. Stay loyal. Boom, he stays strongly supporting you. So just, just don't do that up and down, in and out kind of thing. Don't drift away and come back. Keep drifting away and coming back. But this is happening not just here in our church over the last 34 years. It's happened in every church in Grand Junction. It's happened in every church in the nation and every church around the world. Pastors walking away from their churches, people walking away from their faith. The popular term, deconstruction. The Bible term, term of falling away. The Bible says that it's falling away that we're seeing happen in Christian lives is it really a sign of the end times? The fact is there has never been another time in history when end times prophecy has been more aligned with the culture and with the circumstances than what we see happening today. The Bible predicts that the church, the people of God, will fall away from the truth. And we see it over and over again. Now, Paul was dealing with an issue in his day in the book of 2 Thessalonians where he's telling the people, listen, the Lord didn't come back. And they were, they were believing some false teachers that the Lord had already come back and they missed it and it was a time in the past. And Paul's dealing with that and he says, no, he said the Lord hadn't come back yet. And he said, this is how you can know it. He says, now brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him, talking about the rapture and going forward and, and the second coming, uh, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word, or by letter, as if it were from us, as though the day of Christ had come. He said, no. He said, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. So you see, before the rapture, by the way, um, the rapture could happen at any time. God can take us out of here, then the seven-year tribulation is going to take place. But really, I mean, you could be raptured out of here. There's no prophecies that need to be fulfilled. Before you get home, you could actually be home. So that could happen immediately. But after the rapture, is going to be a seven-year tribulation, broken down into two halves, the first three and a half years, and then the great tribulation, which things are going to be incredibly, incredibly awful, the second three and a half years. So before, during the first three and a half years, the Bible says there will be a falling away of God's people be confusion and them leaving their faith and all these kind of things are going to happen. This is called the great falling away. It could happen at the beginning of the tribulation. Well, isn't it possible then what we're seeing today with so many churches closing and the decline of churches across the United States all the way down to below 50% of people that now live in the country go to church even twice a year for Christmas and Easter, less than 50%. And does that not show us why there's been such a moral decline? Why things are happening like they're happening. People that drifted and then all of a sudden they've fallen away. Could it not be a precursor to the tribulation right after the rapture that we see set it being set up here on earth today that you and I are living in? Absolutely could be. And many Bible teachers believe that it is. Well, here's the thing. I had a really cool outline for today. I did. I, I was going to give you the anti-drift formula. And it was going to be good, too. I was going to take the word drift, and I was going to do an acrostic to each one of those letters, give you a, uh, an outline or a point 
telling you how, what we can do to keep from drifting. Because we, we, all, we all drift. But this is my church. This is God's church. We work for him. So we try to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And yesterday, God gave me a different assignment than just giving you some kind of outline that you'd probably forget before you hit the car. Um, he wants me to do two things. And here's the first thing. Because of the fact that things are happening the way they're happening in the world, and we are living, I believe, I believe we're in the end times. I believe what's going on in Israel is another sign of it. I believe the Lord could come back before you get to the parking lot. I believe the seven-year tribulation can start, and I believe a precursor to that is the falling away that we're seeing. See, many people think, well, there's going to be a great, you know, revival that takes place, you know, right before the Lord comes back. Yeah, here's the problem with that. That's not in the Bible. I mean, we might be seeing it in certain places, but there are other places that are closing down and churches that can't pay their bills. So it's not like that. I hope that happens, and I believe we're seeing a wonderful revival spirit here at Fellowship Church, but that's not true in every church. And so it, the Bible doesn't say that, but the Bible does say there's going to be a great falling away that will take place. So, so let's just say, that, let's just say that, that, that we're in that time, that the Lord could come back at any time. He promised, God said you can have 70 years, but wait a minute, that's average lifespan. If some people, two people live to be 90, then that means somebody who is going to be 70 has now got to die when they're full 30, right? If two people live to do the math, two people live to be 90 and one person lives to be 80, to be keep that lifespan at 70, somebody's got to die at 20. Am I right on the math? I think I'm close. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is you don't know when you're leaving here. You don't. And in the last 46, 47 years, I've done over 2,000 funeral services, and they weren't all 70. There were some that were six, and some 16, and lots that were 20. So none of us have that promise, we don't. So here's my assignment that my Heavenly Father gave me, is to make sure that every one of you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's my assignment. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes, and if you're at home, I want you to do the same thing. And I'm going to pray first, then I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer after me, asking Jesus to come to your heart and say, if you're not sure, you forget anybody else is in this room, and this is you and God only. I want to tell you something. You're never going to heaven because your parents were saved. God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. You either have a direct relationship with the Heavenly Father as his child, or you're not getting in. And the only way to have a direct relationship with the Heavenly Father is through his son, Jesus Christ. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, the Bible says. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray you'd hear our prayers. We're going to do it your way. We're not looking for any other way to get to heaven. We want our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We know the shed blood of Jesus makes that possible. And Father, we're about to call on you to be our Savior. So right now, everybody in the room with me, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I want a home in heaven. I want the best life I could live here till I get there. So I'm making you my Lord and Savior. You are my only way to heaven. You died on the cross for me. I love you. Now do the rest of my life here with me. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's October the 8th, 2023. I'd write that down somewhere. 
I would. I would. I'd write it down. Enemy comes and hits you and say you really didn't mean it. Go to wherever you wrote that. Create a screensaver with it. October the 8th, 2023, I asked Jesus to come to my heart and save me according to the scripture. Listen, that's all I did when I was 12 to get saved. I didn't do any more, didn't do any less. I did the same thing, the very same thing. Now here's the second part of my assignment, and that is to make sure that you never, you never be one that is in a group who falls away from God. That you never drift away. The family picture I showed you earlier wasn't just so you can see that I had hair at one time. I wanted you to see our daughter. She was 10 years of age when we came here, 10. She was very sweet and she was very innocent. She had a little bit of a sassy mouth on her, but she got that from her mother, so that's all right. Spiritual gift. No, she was cute and she was sweet. When she was four years of age, she stood on our church platform back in Fort Worth, and she listed every book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Well, I hold, held a microphone, she was four. First time she was in church, she was a week and a half old. Christian daycare, Sunday school, lessons. She accepted Jesus as her personal savior, asked Jesus to come in her heart, her precious little heart. I think first grade, again in middle school, a couple more times in high school. You know how you do to just make sure you make, you know. But drama as a teenage girl, a lot of hurt, a lot of disappointment, boyfriends, girlfriends, you know how it goes. Seeking comfort, she got pregnant at 17. And when she got pregnant as a young single mother, she come running back to God. <laughs> God. God lovingly helped her. Things got better for her. And then she got away again. Things would get bad, she'd come running back to God again. And over and over again. It's so much easier just to do life tucked into him and not that roller coaster ride, dear brother and sister, called drifting and coming back. When she was older, she worked here on our staff in our creative arts department, the largest church in the United States was in Chicago, and Chicago was interviewing her, that church up there, interviewing her to be on the creative arts department at that church in Chicago, take her family with her. But her life fell apart again. She drifted away again. And now her and my first two grandchildren are living as if God doesn't even exist in their life. But guys, they were in our church, our children's ministry, our youth ministry, middle school, high school, served on our platform, worked in every area, read her Bible, gave testimonies, did women's retreat stuff, did it all, come on. But she drifted away. Ann and I used to pray that God would bring her and our first two grandkids back to him in our lifetime so me and her could see it. Now we're just praying, God, bring them back to you in their lifetime. We saw the devil put a target on them at a young age, all of them. But not just them. How many of your loved ones are that way? I was standing on the sidewalk after service today, after the service, the first service. And many people came out and said, my husband's drifted away. And, 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 and story after story, and you know what? You know what it boils down to, which is so stupid? They got their feelings hurt over something. Somebody hurt their feelings. 
Well, bless your little heart. Being a Christian is not about being a sissy and nobody hurting your feelings. Life's going to happen. People are going to people. People are going to people all up on you. And life's going to be lifing. And you're going to get your feelings hurt. That's just part of it. You're not being martyred. Nobody's throwing rocks at you. They're throwing words at you. That's it. And if they don't pay your bills, ignore them. Number two, if they don't pay your bills, ignore them. Number three, if they don't pay your bills, ignore them. That's a great outline. And just keep going. I never forget when I got back on Daytona Beach when I carried my surfboard down the beach. He went back to where my dad was. I said, did you see how far I drifted? And he said, yeah, son, I saw you. And I thought, well, my dad, my dad never took his eyes off of me. But there for a little while, I lost sight of him. That happens. It happens. Just come back. Just, just come back. There's a verse in, in uh, Revelation. <sighs> Chapter 2, I think it is. God's writing church letters to the churches, seven different letters, seven different churches, and you can see yourself in those letters. And in one particular church, he says this. He says, hey, you guys are doing really good, doing a lot of things, cool, doing a good work. You're busy, that's great. But he said, here's the problem. You don't love me like you used to. You're still doing stuff, you're busy, but you don't love me like you used to. You taking for granted the things that you used to be so excited about. You used to have coffee with me. I was the first person you said good morning to. Now, in the evening, the first one you said good night to and thank you. I was the first consultant that you had in your life when you ran into situations. Now you're going everywhere else, Googling it. What's Siri got to say? And you're treating me like I'm not the most important person in your life. And then he says, hey, come back to me. Just come back. He told Simon Peter, he said, hey, Satan desired to have you that he might tear you apart. But I prayed for you, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to stop, you're going to turn around, you're going to come back to me, and then when you do, get back to work. There you go. That's simple as that. Have you drifted away? Stop. Come tell him you're sorry, right? Turn back to him and get busy again. Well, I, what, I messed up. I don't think that you know, I'm worthy to be able to serve again. He didn't say that. He said, you drifted, okay, come back and get busy. You can do that because we, we've all drifted. We all have. Would you stand with me? Would you keep it real in here with me for a minute? How many of you would say there might have been a time in your life when you've loved him more? A time in your life when you were serving him, worshiping him, tithing, giving? There was a time in your life when you talked about him all the time? A time in your life when you, you go over to the in-law's house and go on a discussion about Jesus? A time in your life when you worship with passion? You were enthusiastic and so appreciative of your name being written in the man's book of life. And maybe that's drifted a little bit. Maybe it has. Would you be honest with me for a moment and say, think maybe you might have drifted a lot of evil stuff on TV right now being pumped into your house because of that stupid holiday called Halloween coming right into your 
airways right into your living room. There's a demonic presence that's floating around and, and maybe you just don't feel as connected. We felt it when we hit Grand Junction. Fought it every day since. But maybe you've drifted a little bit. If you have, will you keep it real with me and raise your hand? Let me pray for you. Just come on. I'll pray for you. Do you have a family member like Ann and I have who you've seen drift away from God, who used to be closer? Would you stand in the gap for them? Would you all come down here? Just come on down. If your hand went up, come down here and let me pray for you. I'm, I'm going to read a blessing over you. Come on down. You raised your hand. Come on down. Come on, get closer to me. I, I wear cologne and deodorant. I brush my teeth, everything. Come on. Get as close as you can. We got a lot of people coming. And some of you are here because you just feel a little drift in your heart and soul. We never, we never drift closer in a relationship. Drift, we drift away. You don't have to feel shame, guilty about it. God knew it. That's why He talked to us about it. He just said, come back, get busy. Come back, get busy. <laughs> come back, get busy. You'll be all right. You knew Simon Peter was coming back before Simon Peter ever left. You said, when you come back? He knew, he knew you were coming back. He knew you'd be standing right down here right now. He knew it. For those of you who have loved ones, and they've slipped away. Husband who used to come, got mad, got feeling. Everybody's got a story. Well, it made me mad. I'm hurt about this. I'm hurt about that. Seriously. Seriously. Get over it. Drop it and get on with it. You're going to get your feelings hurt. If you hadn't had your feelings hurt here, see me on the sidewalk after this service is over and allow me to do it. <laughs> It'll toughen you up. The word amen means so be it. So be it in my life. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a blessing over you. You're going to end with the word amen. And what you're saying is, so be it, God, this, this blessing over me and my family. So be it over me and my family. But before I do, I'm going to pray for you. Father, we're coming back to you today. Being down front is symbolic of the fact that we are, we've drifted a little bit. And we're so sorry. But here we are, God. Here we are. We're just coming back. We're loving you again like we've never loved you before, greater than ever before. We, we can't afford to get away from you in this day and age. So bless these people in Jesus' name. And I speak this blessing over them, the book of Jude, verses 24 and verses 25. Now all glory to God. Take a look on the side screen, guys. All glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault, no guilt, no fault. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time, and in the present and beyond all time. And everybody said, I love you guys. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you've not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. 
I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. And I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus' name. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text the word HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions that you might have. And also, if you're in need of prayer, we'd love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries here, text the word fellowship to 94000 to connect with our staff today. And as always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. And thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.